Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Welcome. It's lovely to be here again. We were here last, I think it was June last year. And uh, if some of you don't know us much, we've been pastoring, as mentioned, for many years. But now we are, I call it pastors without responsibility. <laughs> we, are, we don't have to run a church. We don't have to do health and safety meetings, planning meetings, all that exciting stuff. <laughs> um, so we now have, have a role where we um, go around the churches at pastorally supporting our prophetic sort of love as well for the gifts of the spirit and so and grace we do still do pastoring still do preaching but we don't have to kind of run things so it's just a really really wonderful season of our lives um we're sort of going to do a bit together um i'm just only going to share a scripture and just share a little bit and then bron's going to do the main message but i had a scripture in my heart second timothy 1 6 says stir up the gift that is in you which was laying on my hands for you haven't had a spirit of fear but of love and power and sound mind i just wanted to encourage you to stir the spirit up and matt was just talking about prayer i struggled many years for prayer I was a pastor and I struggled for prayer, but it was only probably the last 15 years that to pray good, you've got to just do prayer. So I just started to do it consistently. And since then, I have a lifestyle of prayer. And part of stirring up the life of God is you, you have a, a spirit of prayer. And I pray in tongues a lot. I want to encourage you to build your life in God when you come to church that you live in an overflow when I come to church because I've been in the presence of God I, can, I love just to minister and pray and have gifts for, for people um, so, so I, it's stirring up the gift is prayer but it's also stirring up like I have a love for the prophetic is stirring up and just moving in, in the spirit when God just prompts you, when you, the way this, I stir the spirit up is I, I actually have to almost say to God, I'm going to turn into prophetic mode. I'm going to, I want to stir up, Lord, have you got a word? I almost have to do that. I just want to share just a couple of stories. Um, we went to Australia to a church that we ministered there after the conference. And I don't give many words to people outside the church. I want to do more of it. And we're on the plane. I went down to the toilet. I was waiting to go to the toilet. And the hostess was doing some work there. And um, the other has a work in that galley area. And, uh, and I just sort of said to the Lord, have you got a word? And, you know, God just takes you up straight away. <laughs> and said that this, this, she works for in New Zealand. But one day she's going to have her own business and other people are going to work for her. And so what do you do with this word? <laughs> and you sort of got limited time. And so I just introduced my, I briefly said I was a pastor. I didn't want to get too much into pastors and churches because people have funny ideas sometimes about church. And I just shared that word with her and I could just feel something impacted her. And she said, you know what I've been, I've been thinking, I've had this thought and it keeps coming back to me that I've, I've got a, I want to do catering. I, I want to do a catering business. And wow, I just touched something there. Obviously, we didn't talk too much more because um, she had, I had to go to the toilet <laughs> and she had to do all the, the stuff there. But it was just a little opportunity 
And it's not, sometimes we're trying to witness, you go through all this stuff because the people have been inoculated against the church almost. You've got all this stuff so when prophetic word can just break that. Even yesterday, we just, um, as we, were, we lived in India for a number of years and, there's a, and we helped a young Afghan man who had escaped from Afghanistan come to India and he became a refugee. Our church helped take him back to New Zealand. He's been in New Zealand for 40 years. We hadn't caught up with him in 20 years. Went there yesterday, saw them. He's Muslim, but he's nominal. And just while we were there, um, I just, before one of the, his daughters left, I just said, look, I just want to share something. I just shared some words and, uh, and she said, oh, thank you very much. It, it's trying to just speak the, the prophetic word in such a way that's natural and just touches people's lives. See, I often, as I said, I often get into a mode, I just turn my mind and I think of someone. As soon as I think of someone, I often get a prophetic word, like Matt and Jacinda. I know you obviously well, but I just, just thought of you and I thought of 1 Corinthians 3, where it says that as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and someone is building upon it. And I just felt the Lord said to me that you're, you're wise master builders and you're laying foundations. You're laid a foundation in this church, but you, uh, your future, you're going to help. You're not leaving this church, but you are going to be moments where you're going to go out and you're going to help other churches how to build. There's something about building in you guys that I have no comprehension of the same. I'm just Holy Spirit, just get filled with the Spirit. But you guys have got real gifts of how to build and how to establish things. And I feel God is going to use you to touch churches. I feel there's almost connections um, from years ago that there's some churches that even going to be in touch with you. I feel that God's just going to release you into, yeah. Could I add something yeah, to that? Yeah. Well, I felt I had something for you too, and it was out of 1 Chronicles 12, 32. And it talked about the sons of Issachar, and they said they were men, let's say men and women, who understood the times and knew what to do. You have an unusual gift, I believe, to discern the times. And, of course, what was happening at the time, Israel was in chaos, um, and the, there was this group who seemed to be able to discern God's will and make plans for what should happen. Well, nothing's changed, has it? But I believe that you, Matt and Jacinda, have an incredible uh, ability to discern what is happening in our times, in churches, in people's lives, and you have a very good way of not overreacting you have a very good way of thinking through issues and, you know, uh, in the church and even at the moment, there's some very polarising opinions, um, incredibly polarising. And we've seen that a lot in the last five years in the church. But I believe that God has given you like that gift of the sons of Issachar so that you are willing to do the research to ask Holy Spirit, and actually you're able to speak to all peoples about both sides. And um, I think that's an incredible gift to have in this season uh, because, you know, as Christians, we can really polarise. We can polarise others, and uh, especially if we're sort of over-emotional or whatever about things. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say that I believe that gift is upon you. Yeah. Okay, well, today, I'll tell you what, this whole thing of the candle and the light and move this forward.
and um, Stanley, you spoke about the light. In the last six weeks, God, Holy Spirit, is just leading me to focus on the light. And, um, and I've thought about it in a deeper way than I have for a long time. And I love uh, the epistles of John, um, and I've been reading through those, and I keep finding new things. But John, in the gospel and in the letter, was often talking about particular themes, and one of them was that God is light and there is no darkness in him. And so the, the, the scriptures I want to talk to you this morning are from 1 John 1, 5 to 7. This is the message that we heard from him. John's about 85 to 90 at this time. This is one of the only letters, epistles, where there's no introduction. And I suspect there didn't need to be. He was the, the last of the apostles. And he was well known. And all the things he says, he's such a father. And he speaks to them as his children. When you're getting up to 85, 90, everyone's your children. <laughs> um, and uh, he spoke to them in a way like, it's me again, here I am. That he is the light and there is no darkness in him. Yeah. One of the most ghastly things we can do is attribute to God evil or characteristics that he doesn't have. And uh, sometimes in our disappointment with God, we can, we can imply that God is lying. or And I've had instances where people have spoken to me and one situation where a very um, broken person who was having a baby said to me, God's told me, she's not actually not alive now, so I feel okay to share it. God told me I'm having a son. Okay, well, you're going to find out, aren't you? So she, has the baby, it's a girl. So someone else who had been her pastor said to me, would I come with him and just talk to her about this? Because she kept saying, God told me it was a boy and she's holding a girl. So she, she said, I know what God told me. So in the end I said to her, so what are you saying here? Are you saying that God's a liar? And she couldn't answer it. See, sometimes, because we struggle, for her, for her the struggle was to say, I got it wrong. It's so much easier if we can just say, I got it wrong. Sometimes people have told us plans, and they've gone off on those plans, and no one's particularly thought they were great plans. And off they go, you know, to blow the shofar in every corner of the world, and two corners, and then God changed his mind. God told them to go home again. You see, we cannot attribute what we don't understand and our frailties to God. He does not lie. So what is wrong here? You haven't heard him correctly. And it's actually fine to say that. I thought he was saying, da-da-da-da, but I got it wrong. I actually got it wrong. It's actually quite releasing. <laughs> it's quite freeing. Yeah. And, you know, as we prophesy and, you know, uh, speak to people, I think that's our posture. This is what I feel or think. How does that sound to you? Yeah. 
rather than God told me, and then you won't uh, go back on it. So then that's all very awkward and uncomfortable. There is no darkness in him. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out of the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You know, it's almost uncomfortable to talk about sin these days, but sin is failure. It, it, the, old, um, the word in the Old Testament in the Hebrew was kata, and it means to fail. And it means the same in the New Testament. I think we like to get a particular list, and they're very outward things. You know, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. But often, we're not prepared to actually look at heart attitudes, to look at things like that. And, um, and this, I believe, is what John was speaking to. The reason he was speaking about this was a group of Gnostics had risen up at the time. And they have a rather, it's actually quite a difficult thing to understand. They have a kind of a dualism where they believe in two or more gods and they believe they have secret knowledge that, like for us, everyone can say, have the same knowledge. We can all have the same access to the word of God, to the truth. But they believed they were a group of people who actually had secret knowledge, and some of the secret knowledge was that they, they didn't have to worry about sin because they had this other kind of thing. They didn't truly believe that Jesus was fully human when he came to earth. And so they did what they liked. And John was concerned um, about the believers. And so he came in to correct it. So he, he actually brings a very strong, very easily understood. None of us could say we were without sin. But as we go on, so we're not sinless, but as we go on, as we grow in Jesus, as we understand his great love, we should be sinning less. I'd hate to think that at the age of 70 that I haven't learned a few things. And yet, let me tell you, I'm still on the journey. In fact, I feel like God expects more of me now because I know more of him. I know so much of his love and his goodness. I always found it really difficult for Moses just because he banged the rock and then he couldn't go into the promised land. But Moses was 40 days and 40 nights with God on the mountain. And actually, Moses didn't listen. He didn't tell him to strike the rock. He said, speak to the rock. And he expects us as we go along and we know more of his voice and we're clearer about it. So I find I do this thing every day and it's the Lectio, which is part of the whole 24-7 uh, prayer. They have this little thing called examen and you can look at it at night and it's not a heavy thing. It's just like, well, here I am, Lord. 
Show me. Have I spoken unkindly? You saw that attitude in my heart where I was smiling, but I was really having ugliness going on. And I find that because of that, I'm actually doing it throughout the day. And that might sound like, oh, wow, you're really caught up with that. I'm not. I find it the most wonderful thing to have this show me, Lord. And when he speaks to me, it's always gentle. It's like, maybe you should go back and just find out if that person really understood you. Or why are you thinking like that? Why are you judging that person? I'd love to tell you that at 70, there's no ugliness in your heart. But you have to go, keep going. And you have to, you learn to recognize, actually, why am I reacting like this? What's my problem? And there's the private and the public. Now, because I'm an extrovert, sometimes mine's more public. But there's quite a lot of private, too, of heart stuff. I had an interesting, my youngest son's 36, uh, but when we were uh, 2IC with Dave down at Grace, he was about 20-something, and he was part of the youth group. And he's the typical youngest child. Um, well, maybe we're the typical parents of the youngest child, where we spoiled him a bit. You know, and I was a real mummy mummy with my boys. And so I organised a plane ticket for him, um, for him to come up to some family thing. We were already in the North Island and, you know, did the whole lot, had it all on his bed, all printed out, blah, blah. And I get this phone call just before I thought the plane was due to leave. And he's like, Mum, I missed the plane. And, um, and I just like, I just start. You know, and I even use the swear word often used by Australians, I'd like to say. <laughs> I did my nursing training there. It just seemed to be part of the, the normal day vernacular. And, I'm, and he's, saying, he's going, Mum, Mum. And I'm no, I've had it. I've da-da-da. Meanwhile, buying another ticket, you know, for half an hour later. <laughs> I've done. We're sick of this. It's about time you grew up. And I'm going on and on. He's going, Mum, Mum. Stop, Mum. My phone speaker is stuck on loud speaker. <laughs> and he was with two girls from the youth group. <laughs> Caught. And that's what we're like, isn't it? And, uh, you know, that is exactly what we're like. So that's what it is to fail. But funny how I thought it was okay when I thought it was just Matty listening. <laughs> My dear children, 1 John 2, 1 to 2, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So that's why he's writing it. But this is what I love about the scriptures. It often points out the issue, but straight away it points out the way through it. And the way through it always involves us actually cooperating. I think sometimes we think that our minds are going to be renewed just by us doing this. You know, when we went through the Toronto renewal, which was about 95, 96, I, we saw the most amazing manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I just thought, well, we won't have to do, we were pastors, we're not going to have to do any more counselling. 
We saw people crying, sobbing, shaking, jumping, and they seemed so excited and they had revelations. But you actually can't renew your mind. That doesn't renew your mind. The Word of God renews your mind. You see, it talks in Romans, present yourself. That's our part. To God as your acceptable service of worship. That's not talking about singing. It's present yourself. Renew your mind, that's us, and he will transform you. So this is what John's saying here. That's what he's talking about. If you do sin, we have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So not only is Jesus, you see, we say Jesus is in our hearts. It's actually the spirit of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, 24-7, interceding for you. You think no one's praying for you? Jesus is praying for you. Isn't that an encouraging thought? Isn't that an encouraging concept? But isn't it true that we have to remind ourselves these things? No one's praying. No, Jesus is praying for me. 24-7. He is the intercessor, but he also moonlights as the advocate. Now, only God can do that. The word advocate is another word for lawyer. So when the accuser comes to us, as he often does, or when we sin, Jesus will be our advocate. But what do we have to do before Jesus advocates? We have to confess. We have to confess to Jesus. You see, he said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures daily to see if what I'm saying is true, but you will not come to me. When Jesus talks in Matthew 25, come to me, all who are burdened, heavy laden. That's not just to find out with him if you can get out of doing the kids' work or the whatever. People tend to think that's things. I'll take this off you. I'll take the dancing class off you. Uh, not my dancing class. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take this off you. No, what he says is, come to me. Come to Jesus. Some people might be thinking, how do I do that? Get on a chair in a quiet place and put your hands out and say, here I am. And let him unburden your soul of your disappointments, of your failures, of your sins. Let him, he goes into the courts of heaven. He advocates for you, but he doesn't advocate for you from what I mean. He's praying for us, but I think there's a confession involved in the advocation. Help me. He longs for us to come to him. He longs for us to say, even though he knows everything about us, the advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And when I first started studying this book, I would just walk around. I walk around our little area that we live, and I just was just saying that to myself, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It just seemed like the most wonderful statement to me. Because when I think of him and that he's imputed his righteousness to me, instead of focusing on myself and my failures, I focus on him and his wonder and his righteousness. 
and his pa how powerful and how good and kind he is. We continue sinning, I believe, in major areas because we don't understand his love. His love is what heals us. We think it's penance, and we often do penance, but there's no point doing penance. That is not true repentance. True repentance is turning away from and turning towards. You are turning towards Jesus Christ, the righteous. And it's knowing him. It's like I've met kids. I mean, our, this didn't happen with our teenage children who don't, who love their parents so much and feel so much love from their parents. I don't know where we went wrong, but um, <laughs> just being regular people. And I've heard them say, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt my parents. Well, that's the way I feel with Jesus. Now, at times, I sneak in a few. You know, there are times when I, no, well, I do want to do that, actually, and I'll ask forgiveness later. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not outside doing wild things. But sometimes, do you know one of the biggest problems we have with sin is this, the tongue. It says that in James. It said how a forest fire can be set with a spark from a tongue. This, there's something creepy about the fact that our tongue wants to say awful things about other people in a Christian way, if you get my drift, um, <laughs> which is even more false. It'd be better if you just came out and said it, you know? Like, I don't mean, I was talking, I was telling um, the story the other day with Jacinda about when we were pastoring, which years ago, and there was someone who had been quite difficult with me and had said some fairly offensive things to me. And uh, she came up to me after the church service and she said, I don't, oh, I don't want to be offensive. I said, stop now. <laughs> and she stopped, of course. And I got a chance to talk to her about her behaviour. You know, prefacing opinions with I don't want to be offensive is dishonest because we do want to say something to get that other person to react in a certain kind of way. And I just think we have a lot of trouble as Christians not being honest. We want to wrap our motives in, look, I'm really just trying to help you. But that's not true. You're, what she was thinking is, you know, I drive her nuts and she wanted to just help me to see that. She actually, she rang me again about six months later and said, I want to meet with you. And I said, what about? No, because I felt so wounded by some of the things she had said. And it was really out of order what she had said to me. Um, I thought, I can't put myself out there. There's some point where we say no. And she said, oh, actually, I want to come and apologize. And we had a nice talk and... Um, yeah, so, and she had actually person had thought that one of her major gifts was to correct pastors. Yeah. <laughs> no. Our pastors do things wrong. They make mistakes. But, uh, you know, it's so much better if you can be truthful and gracious and not reactive to people and not just blurt things out because words wound 
they have the power. I mean, the power of words to wounds. So, you know, that's tongue. I mean, I know of a few families at Grace who are, their families aren't talking to each other. And I mean, not talking, not seeing. I, and it's, how can this be? How can this be? I know there are situations where it truly could be unsafe, but there are other things where we've just annoyed each other or our pride or whatever. How can these things be? We shouldn't minimise our sins or explain and excuse. Let our failures drive us to Jesus. If we stay away from Jesus and the body of Christ, when we are struggling and meeting our needs in a way that is not helpful and is destructive, it is a tactical victory for Satan. That's exactly what he wants, to keep us away. Will we always need an advocate? Yes. And the trouble is, sometimes the more guilty and ashamed I feel, I hold Christ at arm's length, Jesus at arm's length, rather than running. You know, sometimes people don't want to come back to church because they've been, you know, they've been doing stuff they feel bad about. Run to church. Run to the body of Christ. Find trusted, safe people to talk to. You know, there is no sin which has overtaken you that is not common to men or women to be tempted in this way. And as for the, it says in Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he lives to intercede for us. I mean, this deal is pretty good, don't you think? Yeah. We get saved by the blood, by Jesus' death, life, death, resurrection. We get Holy Spirit, who Jesus said would be better than him, to lead and guide us, to strengthen us, to teach us. We get the advocate to help fight the accuser from us. And yet, what are we to do? We're to come near. Come near. Sit in that chair. Put your hands out. Say, I don't know what to do. Sit there in silence. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Do it for a week, nothing happens, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it. Get used to that strange feeling like, you know, radio silence, what's going on here? I can't hear God. Yes, you can. Maybe the silence is what you're hearing because he's drawing you in with his love. He's going pouring out the Holy Spirit on you. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. But you need to sit. Our son, the wild one, he's still like that. Um, he does some funny things. I think he takes after me a bit, actually. But he loved this chair that we had in our house. It's a really lovely chair, and I saw him sitting in it all the time. And uh, so I went. I thought, I'm going to get him one. And I managed to get this one, and the person on the other end was really angry because he said, no one will buy this chair, and it's only $100, and I forgot to put my bid in. And then I said, oh, give me a price. And he said, $30. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Anyway, I have given him this chair. And he's possibly would have been diagnosed with ADDH. Um, in the end, that doesn't matter. Uh, he doesn't sit much. 
But he's got that chair now. And I said to him, I really felt Holy Spirit said, this is Maddie's chair. And I said, just sit there, Matt. You know, he's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Just sit in that chair. John Bunyan, one of the Pilgrim Fathers, stated, if we could hear Jesus, the righteous, interceding for us, oh, how wonderful it would be. But whether or not, this is also John Bunyan, we can hear it, he is. But can you imagine Jesus out there interceding for the church this morning? The tears, the joy, the laughter, the groans, because Jesus wants us to come near to him. He's interceding for our relationship with him. And then just to come in to the finish, this, I think, is the most sobering of the verses in John. 1 John 2, 9 to 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves his brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing that will make them stumble. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Increasingly, I hear believers and followers of Jesus saying, I will not forgive that person. Increasingly, I hear it. So if the word of God is true, which it is, if you refuse to forgive, I'm not talking about trust. Trust is a totally different issue. You are walking in darkness. And you will stumble and you will be blinded and you will not know where you're going. And sometimes it's over something very heinous that people have had done to them. And other times it's because of a couple of words that someone has said to you because it's hurt your pride. Um, I've looked back on the times where I've been very offended and after I've had time to cool down, I've realised it was my pride. It was my pride that was hurt. And I don't know if I shared last year, but we had a very difficult time about a year before we left our church in Carpentier that we'd planted. We had something very wonderful going on. We had beautiful um, people. And through, who knows? Well, we know who's the author of it all, the enemy. There was a breach in our relationship. I'm sure we did things wrong. We loved these people. So we're heavily emotionally involved. And they left and it became, we tried to reconcile. It just wouldn't. And I found that it, it bereaved me so much and I couldn't quite work out why I was so upset, except as a pastor, you do. You are a shepherd. And, you know, um, even if the sheep's been kicking you a bit, you still care for them and you still love them. And you still know that God charges you to. 
but you've got to make sure you know what that looks like. It doesn't look like just allowing very bad behaviour to continue. Um, so I was, it was the time of COVID, and I would do a lot of walking, and I started to groan in the spirit. In Romans 8, it said, we groan when we have no words. And I didn't even know that I was doing it, but I was sobbing and crying and groaning and walking. And it felt like I couldn't get over it. And I think I drove my best woman friend mad, probably my husband too, but um, he's more used to it. But, <laughs> but um, because I just had to keep going, external processor over and over and over and over. And then one night, she had a dream, and she came to me the next day and she said, I'm Welsh, my father's Welsh. Uh, he came out here when he was 16 and jumped ship in Wellington because he met my mother. And um, he never went back to Wales his, uh, until he was older. He, his mother died when he was still very young. His mother was only 36 when she died. He never saw his mother again. So he didn't want to go down the coal mines. And that was the only way. That was the only work in the valley. And he just didn't want to. And also, his father was beating his mother regularly. And he stood between his mother and his father. And his mother said, you'll have to go, Kenny. And that's the way life operated. And he, as an eight-year-old boy, used to go up to the mines on the Thursday night to try and get some of the money before Sai went down and spent the whole lot drinking. So... I felt like we'd missed out on a lot of our heritage, and I went to Wales, I've been a couple of times, and when I go there, I feel Welsh, I feel like speaking like them, my name's a very Welsh name, I sing all the songs, Mafanwi, and all these songs, get quite sort of sentimental. Anyway, she had a dream, my friend, and in the dream, I was lying on the ground, drowning in a puddle, so just listen, it's only a puddle, but I'm drowning in it and I'm face down. This is Sam Harvey's mother, actually, who was here last week, who and I have been friends since we were 18. She pulls me up and starts yelling in tongues over me, which is what she does normally. And um, <laughs> she's a great woman of the spirit. And she turns to the side, and she sees a Welsh choir singing in Welsh to me to heal me. When she told me, I just wept and wept and wept because the rejection I felt from that group of people in the church tied into the rejection. I, my father left when I was young and we hardly saw him for years and years. was the rejection for me from my father. We don't understand sometimes why things affect us so deeply, but we're wonderfully and fearfully made. And what happened as a girl, actually um, was still affecting me. Hymns, gone off as it, I actually played Welsh hymns for the next three days and I felt like I could understand them. You know, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> and it healed me. Yes, I wasn't happy what had happened, but I wasn't drowning in it. And that's what our advocate, that's what our intercessor, that's what Holy Spirit does. He gave my friend 
a dream to give to me that would heal me. And these, the symbolism of having a Welsh choir singing in Welsh, you know, it was just the most wonderful thing. And that's exactly what he wants for all of us. Are you oversensitive? Are you easily wounded? Sometimes it's helpful to ask Holy Spirit, what is this? Do you know the wound of rejection from the garden is a huge wound? And it's something we have to, we have to get healed from bit by bit. But we come, we tell the truth, we tell on ourselves. We tell on ourselves to Jesus. We tell on ourselves to trusted friends. And say, so I'm weak in this area. I struggle with jealousy. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with fear. Where is it coming from? What is it that happened? What was it? Some of it happened in the garden. And some of it's happened through life. But if we will walk in the light and not refuse to hold on to hatred. And, you know, at this time where there's a lot of disagreement about the Middle East, we have to be very careful we're not getting into hatred because we want to support either group. We have to be wise and we have to keep asking Holy Spirit, why did I react like that? And pride, pride's an incredible thing. And I don't think we'll be totally rid of it until they nail the lid on the coffin. And when we see him, all those things that we thought were so important, they're not going to matter. People say, oh, I want to just say, I'm going to say this and that. You won't. You'll fall flat on your face. Anyway, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you brood over us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you want to heal us. You understand us. Thank you, Jesus, the righteous. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the symbiotic trinity that's so interested in us. Thank you for this wonderful time with this wonderful group of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.